thank you for downloading this podcast from Gaimere Baptist Church. You can find out more about our church at our website, gaimerebaptist.org.au. May God speak to you as you listen. Good morning. Would you like to join with me as we read from God's Word? Isaiah chapter 61. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendour. Hello, good morning. Great to see you all. This big blue ball that we live on called Earth is at a very interesting time in our history. Never have we been so technologically advanced and able to live well beyond just mere survival. But for all our advances, for all our comforts and conveniences, never have we been so chaotic and busy and time poor. Never have we been so connected by online means, but then equally disconnected from each other. And for all our progress, in many ways, we've actually regressed. Our social structures and society breaks down in various ways, and people have become more isolated. We have an epidemic on our hands, an epidemic of loneliness. And it's a common topic that's regularly written about in the newspapers and online. And it's even equated to be the new health risk or the issue of our time, causing serious health and risks to those that are affected by it. There's voluntary isolation, where we need time out, space to process, or we want to be alone. But the isolation and loneliness that we find the hardest to deal with is when it's involuntary. When we have not chosen to be in this place, and we feel powerless as to what to do with it. And for our culture, that loneliness is considered a shameful thing. We don't want to be there, and we fear being in that place. And it's something we all experience at some point in our life, but we're just not likely to admit it. There's many songs that are written about loneliness, and I think the the song that so powerfully sums up our culture's view on loneliness is that power ballad by Celine Dion. Don't want to be all by myself anymore. Have you sung that? (laughs) And despite all the references to loneliness in our culture, the strange thing is, when you're stuck in it, you are convinced that you are the only person on planet Earth that is lonely. Well, the good news is, you're not alone in being alone. According to a new Australian Red Cross survey which came out this week, 
One in four Australians, and that's 5.6 million people, are lonely almost all of the time, or on a regular basis. 34% said that they were lonely due to the death of a loved one, and around 31% experienced loneliness after moving away from friends and family, which is really common in our culture. And people can feel isolated for a number of reasons, and it can also include losing a job, divorce or separation, a conflict situation, or even after the birth of a child. And there are other times we can feel lonely, such as when you're going through an extremely tough time and no one understands. When you're in a position of leadership or responsibility, and you feel the weight and expectation of others on your shoulders. When we experience ill health, and especially when that is prolonged, we feel lonely. And people being single, when our culture says you should be married, they experience loneliness. And then people that are married and are not finding connection, they can also feel loneliness because they thought marriage was going to solve all of this. And then there's sometimes you can be in a, in a crowd and feel completely alone. Maybe that's you now. And in our society, it feels shameful to admit that we're lonely because it makes us feel vulnerable. And what if I mentioned to someone that I was lonely in a bid for connection and then I got rejected? Cue the music in a cruel twist of fate. Boom, 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 all by myself anymore. Why does she sing that high? No one can reach those notes. So what does loneliness look like, aside of singing painful Celine Dion songs? You feel alone, like there's no one there for you. You can feel immobilized by grief and despair. Our emotions can be heightened, and there's a sense of hopelessness. We can be completely brokenhearted with no solution of how to put it back together again. We can feel rejected, overwhelmed, and lose our sense of peace. And deep down, there's a gnawing sense of disquiet and emptiness in us that is just waiting and hoping to be filled up. And when we do feel lonely, we just want to make it go away because it's a scary place to be. We fear being alone because, as humans, we're wired for connection. And with our great need to love and be loved and belong in relationship and community comes the inherent risk that we may not be. And when we're in these involuntary moments of loneliness, the only solution in our mind is to make it stop. We want to get rid of it as quickly as possible. But we're all in the family of God, right? Chin up, soldier. You'll be okay. God loves you. Isn't that enough? If we're honest, sometimes it's not. Which makes loneliness even more confronting because, hey, I've got God in my life. Shouldn't I be okay? And shouldn't God make this loneliness stuff just magically disappear? But what if there's more to it? What if God had other plans? What I want to suggest to you today is that loneliness can actually be a transformative space that deepens our connection with God. 
The loneliness that we feel and experience can have meaning and purpose and actually be a door that we can open to experience more with God. In the Gospels, we see Jesus actually going to the lonely places where there's no people to pray and connect with God. Many times he chooses solitary time and confinement and some of the most pivotal moments of his ministry on earth come out of places of isolation. His 40 days of temptation in the wilderness, when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, and on the cross when he yelled, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus acknowledged and embraced these lonely spaces as a rhythm of his life, and it wasn't something that he avoided. A little earlier in Isaiah 53, which prophetically speaks about Jesus, it says he was despised and rejected by man, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hid their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Not only was Jesus alone, but he was forcefully rejected by people. Jesus too experienced loneliness and isolation during his time here on earth. And in the passage that we read in Isaiah 61, it's interesting to see the people that Jesus was prophesied to come to. It was the poor, it was the brokenhearted, the captives, the prisoners, those that mourn, and those that are in despair. All things that you can experience with loneliness and isolation. That was who Jesus was anointed to bring the good news to. And it's like there's something about that place, those places that make people open to hearing, seeing, and receiving God. And while the world can look at uh, loneliness as failure and something to be deeply feared, as followers of Jesus, we can embrace these moments like Jesus did and choose to be in solitude with God. And it's the perfect conditions when we're experiencing loneliness to experience the deepness of God. So how can loneliness be transformative? The first thing we've got to do is notice when loneliness is actually happening and ask the question, is this loneliness actually an opportunity for me to embrace solitude with God? And the next step is being brave enough to actually acknowledge it and then choose to bring our raw, vulnerable self before God. It's not a linear process where we work out a solution to our loneliness with cognitive means, and uh, we bring it to a place in our heart and our minds where it's all sorted and solved. It's just us presenting ourselves before God in surrender. And it's a time where we can let our soul rest. We can take time just to sit with God and just be. It can be challenging to start with because we are so used to being distracted. We rarely take time away to be still, away from people, away from our phones and computers, and it can be so deafening to experience just being in solitude with God. But as you push through it, it's a place of great refinement. It's a time where you can actually come to have complete dependence on God. It's a time where we become more settled and at peace with our identity in God as deeply accepted and deeply loved. And it's actually a time to listen to what God might want to say 
to you as well. It can be an unnerving time and place to be exposed by time, silence, and space. And I think the burning question is, will God actually show up to meet me? But if Isaiah 61 is anything to go by, if we're poor, broken-hearted, captives mourning and in despair and grief, God can't help himself but show up. It's a really amazing poem. It's one of my favourites by a Persian poet called Hafiz. And I think it captures the essence of what it means to offer up our loneliness to God in divine transformation. And this is what it says. Don't surrender your loneliness so quickly. Let it cut more deep. Let it ferment and season you as few human or even divine ingredients can. Something missing in my heart tonight has made my eyes so soft, my voice so tender, my need of God absolutely clear. Our loneliness has a purpose to draw us towards God, but if we surrender it quickly and we don't sit with it, we can actually miss out. We need to actually let it cut deep into our soul to move us towards God, to let the fact that something is missing in our heart invite us to fall down and come undone before God. In our world that prefers neat, sanitised, quick fixes and managed, polished behaviours, this space can actually potentially feel messy, pointless and unproductive. In our frenetic world of doing and knowing and being in control, it's counterintuitive to sit in ambiguity and unknowing. But these moments of surrender to God are the sweetest moments for our soul. So how do we do it? It's just about having a red-hot go. (laughs) Not really technical. It's not about a formula, but it's about challenging yourself to navigate those things by yourself, but it's also the great joy to discover it with God and yourself as you go through the process and work out what works for you. Maybe find a spot that you feel comfortable with in your house where you're away from people and distractions. You could have a favourite spot also out in nature, get outdoors, but find a place where you feel safe to completely be yourself. And how to spend that time can sometimes be the challenging part. You might spend time dedicated in silence and see where that leads you. You might want to pour out your thoughts and concerns by writing them down and bringing them to God in prayer. Or you might meditate on some portion of scripture and ask God to speak to you through that. You also might want to find some companions for your journey in the form of your favourite hymns or songs or books that might help you explore that space. Or maybe it's just purely a time of worship to come before God in song and in prayer and in tears. As far as timing, stay as long as you need. Sometimes putting a time limit on it can help you embrace that moment, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, maybe an hour, to help you get through that time. But as you grow in it, you'll find the preference is to stay as long as you need because you've come to recognise how transformative this space is and how it can feel like holy ground. You won't want to leave. But there is a paradox in this, which is always the uh, marker of God's upside-down kingdom. It can be both a gift and a test. It can bring out the best in you and the worst in you. 
It's a place where we are stripped of the masks that we hide behind, but we're also rebuilt in God's gracious love. And it can feel like a zero-gravity environment where things are turned upside down. But these times will help recenter, recalibrate, and steady us to then return to the noise and urgency and chaos of regular life. But if it's any consolation, solitude with God was practiced by a majority of the spiritual giants of our faith. Because not only does it allow for deep connection with God, it's all, it also helps develop spiritual maturity and connection with God to help them get through the trials that they faced. And you'll find many of them actually write about their time of solitude with God and their experiences of it, or you can read it in their biographies. They too had to go through the awkwardness of working out what works for them, but then found that they couldn't go without it. One author writes that isolation and solitude experiences with God are designed to put steel in our faith. And I agree with that because the times that I've gone and embraced solitude with God, I have come out with steely resolved, steely resolved in who I am in Christ. The first try, time that I tried converting loneliness to solitude with God was about 11 years ago. I committed to a weekly rhythm of praying and coming before God and fasting and sitting with God. Most of the time, it didn't actually feel like I was achieving anything spectacular. But I chose to trust God in the process beyond what I was actually feeling. My constant prayer was for God to use me for his service in some shape or form. And I got one really clear verse in Isaiah 43 about God about to do something new. But in my current beige suburban situation, I had no idea what that meant. I couldn't even imagine something new being done. And at the end of each time of prayer, it was just normal, somewhat underwhelming or pedestrian. And then I just got back on with normal life. And what seemed like a barren wilderness of waiting, crying, praying, actually turned into a flourishing place where God tied all the loose ends together one year later, and then some. More recently, in times of solitude with God, they've helped me process things that I struggle to move past or things that hold me back. And bringing those things before God in raw honesty have brought surprising peace and reconciliation in my heart and answers to questions which I could have never achieved through my own rationale. And the great thing is that God has become so much more personal through the process, as opposed to being some theoretical belief system that I superficially ascribe to, but never actually put to the test myself. And it begins to satisfy that God-shaped hole in all of us, which nothing else can suffice. And the more you practice these rhythms of solitude with God, the easier it can become, and we actually begin to crave that space and that time. And when we become present and fulfilled with God, we then bring a more present and wholehearted version of ourselves back into our relationships and the community that is around us. Sometimes having loose goals or purposes to approach these moments is helpful to guide the time. It might be bringing a question before God, you might be exhausted and completely run down and need rest, but maybe that's a platform which you can start from. It might be facing up to things which trouble you, or it might be a place to just sing and cry and worship God. And while it helps to have some ideas, 
be willing to abandon them as well if God has other plans. So throw away your oars, hoist up the sails, and let the Spirit of God blow you forth. One final thing is that sometimes it can be helpful to have a mentor or a friend that you can check in with, who inspires or supports you in your spiritual journey, who you can check in with and to help process the things that you're experiencing. Touching base regularly uh, can help you process it and just make some more sense of what you're going through and make it exciting to share it with someone. As our world becomes more chaotic, fragmented, and running at super speed, I think spiritual practices like solitude with God are going to become more attractive and offer a place of refuge and restoration for people in a world that offers no rest or solace. Loneliness and isolation are so rife in our society at the moment, and it's not a matter of when you'll, if, if you'll experience, but a matter of when. So when involuntary loneliness shows up at your door, like an uninvited guest, maybe it's an opportunity for transformation. Maybe it's an invitation to your best connection with God. And the great thing is, we don't have to fear these moments. While it's something that's feared in this world and shameful, it's a place of deep transformation in the upside-down kingdom of God. A kingdom where Jesus has come to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim freedom for the captives, to release prisoners from darkness, comfort those who mourn, provide all those who grieve, and place a crown of beauty and oil on your head and a, joy, a garment of joy for praise. This is our God. We don't have to fear isolation because we have Emmanuel, God with us. And he is available to us in a very tangible and real way. So, time to practice. In a moment, we're going to have the music team come up and give us some creative space with music and songs to respond to. But we're going to take a few moments of silence right now to be present and sit with God. We love to quote Psalm 46 verse 10, Be still and know that I am God. But how often do we actually go there? I'm going to recite Psalm 46 in diminishing increments. We did this several months ago at one of our communion services. And after that, I'm going to let us sit in silence, in solitude with God together, to have a taster of what that feels like, to be still and know that he is God. So use this moment to try something out. Let your thoughts run, pray, sit, think. Empty your head, empty your heart. And once we've kicked that around and given that a go, I'll wrap up in prayer and then we'll finish with some songs. So I'm going to read Psalm 46. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am Be still and know. Be still. Be. Jesus, we thank you that you embrace those that are lonely. 
We thank you that you see our grief, our despair, our broken hardness. And we thank you that we can bring that to you. I pray as your people that we would be experiencing you in a tangible and real way with the raw things of our heart, with the things that hold us back or the words that you want to encourage us forward in great grace, love and belonging. Lord, may we have the courage to enter this space of solitude with you. May we not feel alone, but may we feel fully belonging to you. We just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.